0: Well, hello, and we welcome you to the World Travel Dad Show, where we help you travel intelligently with your family, with trip planning, money-saving tips, and funny stories. We are a resource for your next travel chapter. We are excited to have you here, and we hope our adventure helps you with yours. Tips, jokes, stories, and overall fun for your ears to enjoy. Now here's our host, World Travel Dad. And you found the world travel dad show this is your host james olson aka the world travel dad this week i'm in the lovely city of valencia spain we're back in western europe after having spent two months in turkey and we loved turkey and i can't say enough good things about that place but there's something about being in western europe there's something about it that's always captured my fascination it's the place that i started traveling 20 years ago It's a place we're back now for a month. We're going to be traveling around Spain a little bit. We're going to be going to Mallorca, but we're first in Valencia. And this week I'm going to talk to you about what your itinerary could be if you come here, what to expect, some of the cultural things to look out for, and why you should consider coming to Valencia, Spain. So thank you so much for joining me this week, and let's get into the show. This is possibly the second to last episode of this show as it currently is constituted because after our stop in Valencia, we're going to the island of Mallorca for a couple of weeks and then we fly back home to the U.S. after being gone for almost 14 months doing this world travel thing. Seeing Southeast Asia thoroughly, seeing a lot of parts of Europe, certainly a lot of Turkey, and some points in between. And I'm not sure what the show will look like. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to keep doing some type of a show, and maybe I'll keep some of the same format. But I certainly won't be recording on location. Our our travel days are are gonna be over for for a while. But I was saying. I was talking to my wife the other night, and we thought, we do this 14-month trip, you know, we'll get this out of our system, and uh, it's done kind of the opposite. It's really kind of stoked the flames, just kind of made us enjoy traveling a whole lot more, and really, it's sort of like, it's been like a marathon, because we've had kids with us, so it's sort of this accomplishment, more or less, um, that that we were able to do it, pull it off. And really just have a great time, but it's a different time. It's not like just going on a on a vacation. you know you're with your kids the entire time. you don't have a lot of babysitters. We had some in Southeast Asia, but it's been tough to find them um, lately, and um, our kids are old enough to kind of stay in the Airbnb alone for a little bit here and there while we go walk around the block. We actually did that last night here uh in Valencia it's um beautiful city I mean it has what you would expect out of a an old you know thousand year old city with these old churches and they nobody does a skyline like Europe at night they you know they light it up people are out out on the on the plazas. You know, till late at night. Um drinking drinking some vino, I like guess sangria, of course, that's huge here. Um I've tried the Vermouth. Vermouth. And that's um that's a drink that Americans are kind of repulsed by. You know, you want to avoid vermouth. You put like maybe a little bit in your martini, but here it's like a full on drink and it's not bad. It's actually not bad. It's Reminds me of like a Campari, kind of one of those Italian aperitivos. And I think that's how it's consumed. So I think that's the first thing I would say. You know, you want to kind of fit in here. Go with the vermouth in, in kind of the late afternoon. Wet your whistle for dinner a little bit there. Uh, Spain is a huge beer culture, thankfully. Yeah, I love beer. I'm, I'm not shy about about saying it love different kinds of beer coming from colorado and in the u.s uh, we're a big beer culture Uh, we were one of the epicenters of the microbrew craze back in the late 90s with avery brewery you may have heard of out of boulder colorado where i'm from and that kind of kicked things off and the rest of the world's kind of just run with it i mean obviously People have been brewing beer in Europe for thousands of years, so we weren't the first to that. But there's just many different kinds of beer here. Lots of different styles. You have the the lagers. Obviously, the pilsners in certain hot climates, those are good. So you're, you're never going to go wrong ordering a beer. That could be one of your drinks. And, of course, um, coming from... Turkey. I mean, they only had like two two types of beer. I mean, it was good, but I just couldn't believe that. Um, I thought that was that was difficult after a while. You know, we were there for two months, and you don't you don't really drink that much in in Turkey. I mean, people do, but if there's only two beers, I mean, it kind of gets boring after a while. They have good wine in Turkey. They have terrific wine in Spain. I mean, they're one of the originators of of the craft there's tons of sunshine here so these wines are are very uh strong and full bodied and deep dark color of red and that's that's how i like my wines these days i don't the delicacy of a of a burgundy that used to be very interesting to me and i and i think it it did well with certain dishes but i just think that this this spanish deep red um rioja wines they they really go with any kind of food that I like, any kind of rich food. It can, it can stand up to the task there. If food's a little bit spicy, that can work. You might think that there would be a lot of spicy food here, but it's not that spicy. And that's one thing. If you live in North America, you usually are pretty familiar with Mexican cuisine, which is a lot spicier. And that's kind of how I like it. I mean, that's kind of one of my favorites. Uh, Spanish cuisine it's a little bit different. You, uh, of course, you know Mexican cuisine has a lot in common with Spanish cuisine. That's where it emanates from. But uh, Spanish cuisine, there there are tapas, there are pinchos, which are like tapas. Pinchos are the Basque variety of tapa. There are uh, seafood. Uh, they call them moriscos, just uh, things things that come out of the sea. Of um, of course, paella is uh, a Valencian specialty. We haven't had any good paella yet. We just kind of haven't found the the place where they make the real good stuff. But I wouldn't get your hopes too too much up on paella. I generally don't like the stuff very much. It doesn't doesn't really excite me the way it does for others. I, I just don't get it. I mean, it's 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 rice. Uh, Rice can only take you so far. Uh, shrimp, same thing. Shrimp, you know, can't take you that far. We d- we did go to the mar- Mercat Central. That's um, central market here in uh, Valencia, and and there's a there's a Catalonian dialect here that's spoken, so you'll see it kind of posted everywhere. Like obviously Mercado is Spanish for market, but here it's Mercat, so. Watch out for that. Pretty similar to Spanish. I don't think it's going to be too hard to figure out what you're looking at. And most people speak English. It's kind of surreal for North Americans, too. I mean, a lot of us speak Spanish anyway just because Mexico is right next door and it's kind of a popular language in the Americas. you're kind of walking around Spain and it's like, oh, this is Spanish. I can handle this. You know, after spending so much time in Turkey and especially Southeast Asia, and even France and Italy. I mean, those are those are different, but most Americans can handle a little bit of Spanish, and it's a kind of language you can really dig into if you want. It's probably the it's gonna be the easiest for for a Norteño, you know, a North American to to learn, a Northerner. Um, it's gonna be the, your best chance to kind of feel like you know a little bit of a language. Culturally, they eat meals late here in Spain. They eat lunch very late, like two thirty, three, And then they're full. You're full until dinner, which starts at like 9.30. And so people are out eating very late. I'm not totally sure why that is. I mean, I know there's a heat component. You don't want to be outside when it's really hot, and I get that. But it um, has got to be more to it than that. Uh, we talked to our host who said... It's not even that people sleep in either. It's I guess people are just tired kind of walking around. I guess it's this mentality of there's a lot to see in life, you can sleep when you're dead. And I get that. I mean there is a lot to see here, but I you know, I I can't handle too many days in a row of that. So I've been kind of passing out, taking naps in the afternoon. And that's what you should do. You really ought to embrace that. You got to u- use your time in the evenings. Uh, efficiently and, and get the most out of the evenings here. You know, when we were in Turkey, we were in bed by 8.45, 9 o'clock. Uh, here, we've been going to bed at like 11. You know, we have young kids, and that sounds kind of strange, but everyone's kind of into it, and once you kind of get used to it, I mean, that's that's how it's done. You want to kind of fit in culturally. If there's a restaurant that you are interested in, they do the reservation thing. We weren't quite used to that because most of the places in Europe we had been, it was like Italian food. It's pretty easy to whip that up. You don't need to reserve a table. The last time we encountered that was France, and they're ultra strict about the reservation culture. You're going to get some of that here in Spain, unless you go to one of the Pincho bars, which that's my favorite. I would be okay doing that every single night. I I don't need to get a reservation, especially with kids but you know your my wife wants to do that and she's half of the team here of of, of our management team so we're going to do some of those those ones but the pinchos i mean if you can find a place to stand it's a lot of them are self service too so you just walk right up and you get a plate get some of the ones you like keep track of how many toothpicks you have cuz that's your honor system where you tell them how many to pay at the end and somebody'll come around bring a vermouth or a beer or a glass of wine and i could do i could do that every night it's one of my favorite types of eating uh, i'm glad to be back here doing that um, there's a lot of pincho style um tapas here whereas i was more used to the normal spanish tapas if you can kind of picture that they're a little bit different they're a little heartier there's some different concepts, um, especially in like Catalonia. We're not this Valencia is not technically Catalonia. That extends up. That's more up in like Bar- Barcelona. Uh, but Valencia has a very rich, individualized culture, and it's it's just an autonomous region here. Um, Valencianos are seem to just be very easygoing people and they're not trying to be something they're not. I think people realize, you know, you're going to go to Madrid or Barcelona before you come here and that's fine with them. They're not trying to uh, go overboard, trying to win you over. But if you do come here, um, you're going to be richly rewarded. So the other side of the break, I want to talk specifically about the things we've done with our kids. I'll keep talking about the drinks and the tapas cuz frankly i could talk about that for hours so we'll be right back I can't tell you how versatile the Wise Card has been for my travels. From paying for my kids' school tuition in Ubud, to wiring the tour company payment for our snorkeling trip, the Wise Card has been there for me. Let me explain how it works. From the states or anywhere, you purchase foreign currency and keep it in your Wise account. It becomes your de facto foreign bank account. You purchase at the current exchange rate. If you think the dollar is at its peak in value, purchase a foreign currency, pay a very minimal fee, and voila, you have your short dollar position. Congratulations, you're now a foreign currency trader, and you didn't have to open a bank account in Montenegro. And fellas, your wife wants to go to Italy. She's sick of the bowling alley as your idea of entertainment. Why not start by opening your Wise account today? If you use the link in the show notes, capitalize with at least $300 U.S., World Travel Dad gets a minuscule kickback that I promise to use on cheap beer. Take your wife to Italy. Let's get back to this thing I'm calling a show. So, if you're coming to Valencia, chances are you've already been to the the big cities In Spain, the big ticket items—the Madrids, the Barcelonas, Sevilla, Cordoba, San Sebastian in the País Vasco—and you're looking for something a little different, a little off the beaten path, maybe a place to to get a little closer to the culture. But one thing about Valencia, there there really aren't like a lot of huge, world class, big ticket items. It's off the beaten path and you can tell by how a city markets itself you can see what they're holding out as the gems that you should visit and so at the top of that list is the aquarium the aquatico center and i have to be honest i'm i'm not an aquarium guy the aquariums i've been to before are depressing to me they're usually Smaller. They seem to be hastily kind of thrown together a little bit. I haven't been to the Monterey Bay Aquarium in Northern California. That was one I, it's on my list. That's one of those kind of classier ones. They bring in the educational element, which I think makes you feel better. It's like, yeah, the otter is in a tiny cage and he's flipping, he's doing backflips repeatedly because he's going crazy. You know, that's a sign of a stressed animal, and they're like doing backflips constantly. But at least you know you're getting to learn about sea kelp, and so I have to be honest. Going into this one, this is the biggest aquarium here in Valencia. It's the biggest one in Europe, and that that's good. I mean, the, 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 they kept holding that out there like it's huge. Well, a lot of things that are big maybe aren't as quality. We bought a combo ticket. For the four of us, that also included the Nature and Science Museum, I'll talk about that next. And so we took the thirty-five bus. You can take the thirty-five as a tourist bus. It goes from downtown all the way out to the Aquatic Center. You can ride your bike as well, if you if you rent a bike here, and that's something I do also recommend. Um, so we got out to the Aquarium. And I have to say, it was it was impressive. I did something else, you know, something I'll never, I, I, I'm having a hard time admitting to, but I saw a dolphin show. You know, this was one of those things, I remember in SeaWorld, you know, in San Diego, California, that was the one years ago they did a documentary called uh, Blackfish, where they chronicled how these these orca whales were being captured in the wild they were just like going out and capturing them and just like throwing them in this aquarium till they started going crazy and attacking people that that was so like 1980s that people thought they could just let's just get some boats and go out and get some orcas what, you know what else we have going on put them in a cage bring people in and, and that's something, this dolphin show had a little bit of a feel, kind of like that. Like, dude, somebody needs to tell the Spanish, like, we're not doing this stuff anymore. But I think it's a little different with, with uh, the dolphins. That's just kind of my hunch. I haven't looked into this deeply, but I think it's a little bit different. I think maybe, maybe they're not um, taken out of the wild. Maybe... You know this is like kind of what they do with zoos. they're like well these these animals are goners in in, in the out there in the wild anyway we we just saved them, you know, like a rhinoceros without a horn. you know do you see that you know th- those guys aren't making it in the wild, so you put them in a zoo i I get that. so I don't know what the story backstory was with the dolphins, but it's a pretty cool show about fifteen minutes. Um, lots of different exhibits. there're about twelve or thirteen different separate sections. So from in terms of square footage, this aquarium was gigantic, as you would imagine. So uh, the, it was a big deal that was the biggest in Europe. That was something that kind of jumps out. My overall feeling on this day was it was pretty good. We spent several hours there, and there were some places you can kind of hang out. We had lunch there can't bring any food in. That's pretty standard stuff. That's what we ran into in Turkey a little bit. Uh, so they force you into eating a lunch there but the food wasn't terribly expensive. It was fine. Um, I think I, may, I, I had a beer possibly for lunch and uh, what else? You know, lots of different aquatic stuff. A couple alligators, some flamingos. I, I really like flamingos. There's some jellyfish, um, lots of tropical fish. I think they're they're pretty fascinating. And, and the kids, you know, really loved it. So that was a very successful day. And then the, the next day, um, oh, and by the way, the aquatic center is on the uh, Turia Park. There's a river called Turia um, River that, that goes through town. And there's a park called the Turia Park, which is a, um, it's kind of a skinny park that extends around the outskirts of Old Town, and you can hop on that and ride your bike all the way down to the uh, center. Um, In fact, that's what we did this first day, and then the second day we had to turn our bikes in, and then we took the 35 bus back down to the same center, and the Nature and Science Museum was not as impressive. It was really kind of a dud, frankly. Um, We saw a chicken being hatched. Uh, that was really cool. A, a chick. Um, never seen anything like that before. The thing came out, and it was like, it was gassed. It was totally exhausted. It fell over after it popped out of the shell. And it just kind of like laid there and under the warming lamp. And But it was really cool. And uh, there was some stuff about space illustrating some of Newton's laws. That's big for the kids, and you want to hammer home three the, the three laws of uh, Newton, and um, that's good. That's a good teaching moment. Any any kid under, like, 13 or 14, you can kind of... They, they illustrate those pretty well, and for adults. I mean, let's be honest. How many of us know what the hell we're talking about with that stuff? So, it was fine, and it was part of this combo ticket. It wasn't a huge add-on to, do, to add that, so you know, I'll leave that up to you. If you skip it, I wouldn't feel terrible. But if you're here for a week, you know, got to fill some time somehow. And one of our other days, we rode our bikes down to the beach. Valencia has um, very nice beaches, surprisingly. It was something I didn't expect because I had always felt like like the Barcelona and that kind of stretch there of beaches was like not why you went to these towns. I didn't even think beach factored in, but Valencia has a very nice beach, about four kilometers stretch. And if you go to the one closest to Old Town, that's where like everybody goes. You know, that's kind of the locals beach, completely packed. I had really not seen a beach like that at all. Certainly not in Turkey. And not in Southeast Asia, of course. The Southeast Asian beaches are they're more remote, more picturesque probably. And, uh, but if you go, if you go down a little farther along the boardwalk, then you get some a little more space, some nicer beaches. There's some restaurants along that stretch, but I don't recommend them. Our host said that they were good, but from what I saw, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch those places. We stopped and had a couple of snacks there and it was just kind of terrible. You know, it's just You know, that's kind of my mantra. You want to stay away from these, like, overly touristed kind of situations. So that's it. We hit all these big sites in the first five days. Now we have another 12 days to just kind of pretend like we're locals, do the late lunch, walk around. We talked about the pinchos. You know, get as much red wine as you can. You're not going to get this stuff back in the States, not for this price. I mean, they have the good stuff here. Spanish wines... I just love them. I forgot how much I love them, you know. Until, uh, until you get around them, and then you just appreciate what they have to offer. They're they're so solid, and it's just there's very little guesswork. Um, the beers, the beer culture is very good here. Uh, I haven't had any sangria yet, usually because. Whenever I have a sangria, I, I don't quite get it. It kinda tastes like fruit juice. You know, this is a family show here, but I never you never really get any, get a buzz from it. You know, I don't really feel the alcohol. I I don't get the sangria. There's all the fruit left in there afterward. Do you eat that? Probably not. It's probably gross. Well then that's a waste of fruit. Just bring bring the fruit out separately next time. I'm sure the ambergasas here are great. I'm gonna probably dig into one of those with some papatas fritas. That's kind of like my favorite meal. The hamburguesa, papatas fritas, the vino rojo from the local. You know, I think we should quickly kind of toward the end of the podcast here. Let's go over the Rioja classifications. Of course, there's the Crianza. That's the lowest level. C-R-I-A-N-Z-A, Crianza. And this, you can do this in the States too. This is, some, this is a hashtag pro tip here the next uh, you have the reserva that's the next level up and you have the grand reserva grand reserva that's the top level that's the big big guy i don't even think i've ever had one of those but i definitely get reservas in the states those are running about 18 20 dollars the Crianza should be around 12 to 15 and there's also something called a bodega A bodega is similar to a creanza it's a, it's a, the same level but it's a little more of a boutique style there's something with the way that it's barreled, um, but I I generally just go Creanza. I'm a cheapskate, and um, I have not been disappointed with the Crianzas here in Spain. You can see a bullfight in Valencia. I did actually two decades ago. I saw a bullfight. It's a big bull ring here. So look at your dates when you're going to be in town if you want to check one of those out. There's of course Valencia FC, the the uh, Spanish. Uh, Syria, um, not Syria, that's Italian, La Liga, you know, the, the premier Spanish league team, Valencia, they're, they're okay. You know, uh, people love them. Uh, I, I don't know if they're any good these days. Um, but they're, they're a premier team, so that's kind of fun. Lots of different museums here. There's a lot of free museums. There's Spanish war museum. There's a huge art museum, um, we're going to check that out for sure. I love, love art museums. And then there's all these platas, just these wide open squares with good architecture. And you can just kind of wander and do the platas when it's really hot outside, just stay out of the sun, get into the shade. The town's really built well for shaded walks. You slow down, um, soak it all in. And after a few days, you'll, uh, you, too, will, like I did, you'll say, I, I love Spain. So glad to be back here. And if you are looking for something a little different, definitely check out Valencia. You can include it in, in your itinerary. It's, it's close by train to Barcelona and Madrid. This is World Travel Dad. Let's face it. When I'm on the road, I get ripped off a lot, and I'm constantly making a fool of myself. But I'd like to share those moments with you because maybe it'll help you avoid a similar fate or maybe you can just make fun of me. I'm almost too embarrassed on this one. There were a lot of candidates for bloopers this week. You know, we left uh, Turkey. Turkey was was, uh, was great. Um, I, I know I keep saying that, but I, I mean it. It was wonderful. It was two months Really felt an affinity for the whole culture and the people and everything. And um, one thing that's tricky, though, is uh, the pricing. I mean, it's it's slide pricing. It's there's some trickery going on. There's some smoke and mirrors. There's a lot that you actually you got to be on your game. You got to watch yourself. Well, I'm kind of embarrassed to, to you know I owe you, I owe you guys honesty, so I'm going to tell you what I did in the airport in uh, Istanbul. We had a layover. And we had one final meal. My son and I went to this kind of cafeteria style. It's called the yemekleri, yemeklerş. It's kind of like the, you just get the sides, you get the kind of mains, the chicken, the, the, the meat. You just kind of go through like the cafeteria. And I love this type of eating. It was my favorite thing to do in Turkey. My family didn't always love it, but I could have done it every day. Lo and behold, they have one here in the airport. It wasn't terribly priced. But I thought, you know what? To finish off this turkey thing the right way, I need I need baklava. I need some baklava to make it go down properly. I need just that final icing on the cake. But they know, they see you coming. They know that Westerners, that's like what they're thinking, like one final thing. And during this layover, I went to a baklava stand, and for two pieces, I was going to pay 13 dollars USD I, I laughed when the girl told me and I wasn't trying to be rude but I laughed and she kind of laughed too but she sort of did it in a way of like not saying like it's crazy kind of like she knew that I'd be back somehow like she could see it in my eyes so I kind of walked around I thought oh I know better I know better than these guys I'm not paying 13 bucks for baklava so I went to this coffee shop nearby and they had a baklava cake. And they had prices out for all the other desserts. And the dessert is tatilars in Turkish, of course. And I, I, I know how to find my tatilars. And uh But lo and behold, there was no price on this baklava cake. I couldn't I didn't know what that was. So I, I said, you know, Bune na nakadars. You know, how much is this thing? What are we talking here, lady? Come on, shoot it to me straight uh 200 and uh 99 Turkish lira not 300 299 so i did some quick math okay that's 13 usd what is going on around here so i went to the store with the uh package baklava it's all 13 usd so now i'm thinking now i'm panicking you know my how how strong my morals here i i had the lira i actually had exactly 300 lira We're about to get on our flight. (sighs) So I went back to the coffee shop. I paid the 13 13 USD. 300 lira for some baklava. It wasn't even that good. I probably should have gone to the first place and gotten the two pieces. Total ripoff. Total bad taste in your mouth. But I did it. I paid 13 USD for baklava. I'm a complete sucker. And they got me. One final uh, kick in the pants on your way out. So that just goes to show, I've learned so much on this trip, but I'm I'm still the same sucker. Hi, this is the World Travel Dad. I'm so happy that you listened to this podcast, and I hope you're really enjoying it. Do you remember when I used to do the headlines at the beginning of the show? Well, I turned that headlines segment into a separate show, so I removed them from the travel show, now it's a separate show called the world travel headlines show and it would be terrific if you would check that out i'm gonna put a link in the show notes for this little short show and if you could just click on that link and take a look at it even if you don't listen to it like immediately i'll understand but maybe at some point you will and even if you're a bot you know all are welcome so thanks for uh checking it out